On this episode, we'll preview the Tampa Bay Bucks and the rest of the NFC South. Next, I'll catch you up on some current events in NFL and college football. We're going to talk about who CBS Sports feels are some of the most undervalued players in the NFC, and some of their selections are downright laughable. I've got some bold predictions on the upcoming NFL season, and we'll finish the show with me explaining to you why the most successful coach in NFL history might feel some heat from ownership as the season starts to wind down. I watched the program to get pumped up for today's show, and it worked. Starting defense, place at the table. Let's talk some football. Welcome back to the show. I am Jeff Adams, and I am the host of the White Hot Generally Managed Podcast, coming to you from the Brand Crumb Studio in picturesque downtown Orlando. I am joined by everyone's favorite producer, Devin Leonardi. Fun fact about Devin, in an effort to capitalize on his musical talents and angelic vocals, he once started his own boy band comprised of guys from around the neighborhood. Their first single, Marshmallow Fluff, drops next weekend. Looking forward to that little ditty from Dirty Devin and the Boys. D-flat, what's happening? I'm really excited for Marshmallow Fluff. It's a dad bod ballad, actually, chronicling my journey from college athlete to marshmallow-filled puff pastry. So I'm really excited for it to drop. You can pick up your copies next week at your local Sam Goody. Absolutely. And that's Dirty Devin and the Boys with, with a, a Z. Z. Yeah, with a Z. Because they don't care about spelling. Mm-mm. Now, during last week's episode, I predicted I would receive some angry texts regarding my pick of the Broncos to finish last in the AFC West. Devin, you recall that? Vividly. Okay. (laughs) Well, we went live at 6 a.m. Saturday morning with the show, and I received the first batch of your stupid text messages before the 9 o'clock hour. My favorite was, and I quote, I'm embarrassed for you right now. Have some pride. I think I got a screenshot of that one. Absolutely. I'm happy that I can make other people happy. We moved from the AFC West to the NFC South. The Tampa Bay Bucks took the NFC South last year, despite dropping both games during the regular season to the New Orleans Saints. They are minus 300 on Bovada to win the division. So while they are the prohibitive favorite, it's not a very good bet as far as your money is concerned. It went 13-4 last year, and the Bucks go as Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. goes. Now, Chris Godwin was just cleared for all camp activities after tearing his ACL in week 15. So that's quick. Now, an ACL these days isn't what an ACL was back in the day, but still to be cleared at this point after doing that in week 15 is surprising. We talked about Leonard Fournette recently and his uh, balloon weight of 3,000 pounds. Well, I just saw recently that he's down from 260 to 245, so still not where he needs to be, but 15 pounds lighter than OTAs, so that's a good thing. And Rob Gronkowski has stated multiple times that he is not coming back, no matter what. His girlfriend, who I don't have any idea who she is, but apparently she's (laughs) got some kind of presence on social media. Yeah, whatever. She got a little vocal and said that, oh, yeah, he he probably will come back. So we'll see how that goes. That's inside information. Yeah, it's possible he just doesn't want to participate in training camp, which I'm sure the Bucs would be understanding of that. Trading for a very, very, very beyond his years, Kyle Rudolph, Mm -hmm. that doesn't make me feel like that they're solid at the tight end position. They still have Mike Evans on the outside, signed Russell Gage from the Falcons. The offense should be fine. We talked about the defense a couple of episodes ago. Ridiculous against the run. Very strong up the middle of the defense. And could improve a little on the edge. But this division is Tampa's to lose, in all honesty. The New Orleans Saints, I've got at second place in the division. They're plus 350 on Bovada. Jameis, the last time we saw him, was still 
limping around after having his own ACL repair. It sounds like he could use some crab legs. Uh, he could. If Jameis Winston isn't limping around, has he changed his stripes? We've seen Jameis in Tampa, beginning of his career. So yeah. we know what he is. If they don't get a strong performance out of him, then do they really have a shot? We're going to talk more about Jameis later, but Michael Thomas, not, shockingly, still on the pup. We'll just let you know when he starts playing football again because it's been more or less two years. Alvin Kamara and the possible suspension there for felonious assault after the Pro Bowl. Yeah. The league is still waiting for the legal system to kind of work its way out, and I'm kind of surprised we haven't had something at this yeah. point. But word was that Alvin Kamara and his camp were preparing for a six-game suspension. That's a big deal. Now, the defense, we've talked about this defense as well. And, Devin, you and I love them. We feel like they're going to be yeah. uh, at the top five in the league. Super solid. Mm -hmm. Cam Jordan, Marshawn Lattimore, Demario Davis. they got playmakers everywhere. And, to be honest, they're going to need the defense to step up until some of these injuries and suspensions work themselves out. Carolina, who's 10-1 to to win the division, finished 5-12 and last year. Matt Rule, coming into his third season, he was the hottest head coaching candidate in a long time, yeah. two years ago, there was every team with a coaching vacancy either interviewed him or asked to interview him. That's why he got $7.5 million a year over seven years without having ever been a head coach in the NFL. Since then, the Panthers have posted consecutive five-win seasons. Now, the quarterback situation is different. Generally, you'd like that to be more quiet. It hasn't been that quiet. Today, I saw a report that Baker and Sam are both going to be splitting first-team reps. I guess I, I get that. I'm not optimistic about this situation. I just beat my head against this table. Yeah, join the club. Carolina Panthers fans will be there with you. Move over and make some room for them. Now, they have talent, offensively yeah, yeah. especially, if McCaffrey can stay on the oh, field. Please. Uh, DJ Moore is one of the better receivers in the league. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't know it from looking at his numbers because he can't no. get in the end zone because he doesn't have a doesn't quality quarterback throw to him, yeah. throwing the ball. Uh, Robbie Anderson has talent despite a terrible, terrible year last year. And Carolina did quite a bit to address the offensive line concerns this offseason. How that translates onto the field, we'll see. And then I have at the bottom of this division the Atlanta Falcons. They are 28-1. to Somehow, the Atlanta Falcons won seven games last year. If you had asked me prior to me looking this up, I would have guessed they were closer to a four-win team. I watched a decent amount of Falcons football. It was very difficult yeah. to watch. They are absolutely in a, in a rebuilding mode. Marcus Mariota has looked good in the early goings. I was on the way into the studio today, heard a report about that. Arthur Smith, ironically, was Mariota's offensive coordinator with mm -hmm. the Titans and then worked magic with Ryan Tannehill. That's how he came to be the head coach of the Falcons. And despite my negative opinion on the Falcons, they do have some talent on the outside to work with. Uh, Cordero Patterson exploded the first half of the season. He's got four Pro Bowls and six All-Pro selections. Now, all of those, return, with the exception right. last year, were as a return man. And yeah. it is, he's only been like, going into his ninth year. He's been on five yeah. teams. That's crazy. Which doesn't usually happen. Kyle Pitts, Pro Bowl tight end, coming into his second year. Had a fantastic season last year, despite scoring just one touchdown, which is difficult to do when you have... 1,000 yards receiving. He yeah. found a way to do it. They draft Drake London, eight overall out of USC, another big, strong receiver. The defense is terrible. Awful. There's no way around that. Although they do have a lone bright spot. Cornerback A.J. Terrell is incredible out of Clemson. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention 
that when your kicker, Young Hua Ku, is probably like the fifth best player on your team, that is probably not ideal. Red alert. Yeah. <laughs> Young Hua Ku, shout out to the Georgia Southern Eagles faithful yeah. that are out there listening. The exact order finished for the NFC South, Tampa, New Orleans, Carolina, Atlanta. That order is plus 250 on a Bovada. And if you go for a straight forecast with Tampa, New Orleans to finish first and second, you're going to get one and a half times your money. For those of you that are interested in the monetary aspect of that, this week's episode of Generally Managed is brought to you by Patriotic Real Estate. With hundreds of satisfied clients throughout Florida, Patriotic Real Estate is familiar with the ebbs and flows of today's ever-changing housing market. Our agents recognize and value the trust our clients place in us, and we constantly work to exceed their expectations. For associates at Patriotic Real Estate, our first priority is the happiness of our clients, and we strive to ensure that the buying or selling process is as easy and stress-free as possible. Visit PatrioticRE.com today for help getting started on your journey. Patriotic Real Estate, personal service, professional results. So there you have it. The Bucks at the top of the NFC South and the Falcons at the bottom. I don't think that's news to anybody, but this next segment will be as we get into the news. I can't believe you did this to me. You read my news. Last week, the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray agreed to a five-year extension worth $230.5 million. The deal, which runs through the 2028 season, includes $160 million in guaranteed dollars and makes Murray the second highest paid player in the NFL behind Aaron Rodgers. Very important that we get the half million in there. Mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson signs for five and two thirty, so Kyler has to get more. So he goes for five and two thirty point five, so that he can average forty six point one million to Deshaun's forty six million. Let's get petty, shall we? <laughs> the most incredible part of this contract that came out a day or two after it was oh, reported. I love this. Four hours of study time required. Yep. Only on game weeks. By weeks, you're cool, Kyler. Like, don't sweat that. He very clearly was taking the iPad with the game video and tape he was supposed to be watching and then just playing video games. playing Candy Crush the entire time. Sure. He better, he, I assume they're going to need some sponsorships <laughs> from Candy Crush to pay that uh, 230.5. Moving to college football, head coach Mario Cristobal has decided that the Miami Hurricanes are retiring the turnover chain. Cristobal told the Action Network that the turnover chain is not part of our culture. I beg to differ. There is nothing more Miami Hurricanes than a turnover chain. The only thing worse than the turnover chain was the god-awful turnover backpack that the Florida State Seminoles brought out the year after that happened. Willie Taggart. I mean, that's just not a microcosm of how everything went when Taggart was head coach. Well, let's talk about former Oregon coaches for a little bit. Willie Taggart's one of those. Oh, you should... I know you're happy that he was there one year and gone before you guys had a turnover backpack in Oregon. Stay in college football. The Georgia Bulldogs and Kirby Smart have agreed to a 10-year, $112.5 million contract, making him the highest-paid coach in college football. That's what a national championship and beating Nick Saban for that national championship will get for you. A recent headline from Fox Sports this week read as follows. Tom Brady's Buccaneers offense gets another superstar receiver. They're referring, of course, to Julio Jones. What can we expect from Julio this season? Well, the last two seasons are any indication. We can expect him to miss at least six games due to injury, have less than 55 catches, less than 800 yards receiving, and less than four touchdowns. He's 33 years old. Mm -hmm. He's done. I understand why the headline said superstar receiver, but this isn't six years ago. And finally, according to Pro Football Talk, Apple is the front runner to win the rights to the NFL Sunday ticket for a reported $2.5 billion billion per year. 
This on the heels of Amazon acquiring exclusive rights to Thursday Night Football for $1 billion, as the NFL is going to go even deeper into an internet streaming platform with Apple. And this, of course, in addition to the current $2 billion agreements to stream locally on Fox and CBS. The NFL is just printing money at this point. Mm -hmm. It's recession-proof. And speaking of CBS, Patrick Walker of CBS Sports wrote an article recently where he identified one player for each team in the NFC who was either outright overlooked or furiously undervalued, which leads us to our next segment, Underappreciated and Misunderstood. I don't feel you appreciate me. Devin, I'd like you to take a guess at who CBS Sports think is the most overlooked and undervalued player for the New Orleans Saints. Oh, the New Orleans Saints? Oh, my God. If I have to put a like a, a tag on it, it's Taysom Hill. You're close. From one quarterback to another. Oh. Jameis Winston. <laughs> All right. Oh, God. So Patrick Walker <laughs> believes that a new two-year, $28 million deal shows that the Saints believe in the former number one overall pick. So here's how and why I disagree. The last time Jameis was a full-time starter in 2019, he led the league in interceptions with 30, which is seventh most all-time, and also the most since Vinny Testaverde threw 35 in 1988, ironically also with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So we're talking like 30-plus years yeah. since someone did what Jameis Winston did. Those aren't the type of records you want to be setting. No. So... Jameis doesn't move well in the pocket. He doesn't move well out of the pocket. I think he's very appropriately valued Mm -hmm. and rated by the masses. Now, unfortunately for Jameis, he's following in the footsteps of literally the most accurate passer in NFL history and Drew Brees. But for CBS Sports to pick Jameis Winston as the most underappreciated player on the team just makes me wonder if they had the roster and it only had... Jameis Winston's name on it, so it was the only one they could pick. The only player they knew. Let's stay in this in this arena here. Okay. So as far as the New York Football Giants are concerned, Devin, who do you think CBS Sports feels is the most overlooked and undervalued? Oh man, for the Giants, you almost have to just forget about the offense altogether and go straight to defense if you were doing this actually. But now that I have the evidence mm-hmm. of this, it's keep sa- the last one in mind. Barkley. Nope. You're close. Who might be the only person on the Giants offense who has been more disappointing than Saquon Barkley? It's Daniel Jones. No, why would they even do that? I'm going to explain to you the thinking because this is from the article. Daniel Jones isn't as bad as most make him out to be. Granted, he's made plenty of mistakes in a Giants uniform, but he's also made magic. Despite the team having showed, it could not care less about putting together an offensive line to protect him. Magic? Magic. The last two years combined, he's thrown for 21 touchdowns and 17 interceptions. There's not a whole lot of magic going on there. His completion percentage in college in three years of starting was the highest when he was a freshman. That was 62%. You want to talk magic, (laughs) it's the fact that he convinced someone to take him six overall despite having a season high of 62% as far as completing his passes. And ironically, his first three years in the league, he's averaged 62% completion percentage. Magic? There's another interception by Daniel Jones. It's magic. My freak! (laughs) Here's the magic. Him running 70 yards down the field and 
running mm-hmm. away from the entire team mm-hmm. and then tripping on the 10-yard line. That's magic. That's magic, yeah, for sure. My prediction is that we see Tyrod Taylor start multiple games this season due in part to not only injury on the part of Daniel Jones, but also his ineffectiveness. That's one prediction, but I've got more. It's time for a new segment on Generally Managed, Bold Prediction. So bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. But first, a word from our fake sponsor. Bold Predictions is brought to you by Sandpiper Air. Based in Nantucket and operating out of Tom Nevers Field, Sandpiper was founded in 1988 by Joseph Montgomery Hackett. Sandpiper Air is owned and operated by Nantucket native Joe and his brother Brian. They are a simple people. They fish their waters, they till their lands, they eat a big sandwich. So if you like small airplanes and big lunch meats, fly Sandpiper Air, they'll get you there. Our first bold prediction. The Steelers, who are six and a half point underdogs to the Bengals in week one, will travel to Cincinnati and beat the defending AFC champs. Now, I know that there's a lot of uncertainty at the quarterback position for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Amen. Yes. I know that the Cincinnati Bengals have one of the most exciting young quarterbacks in the league and Joe Burrow and one of the most exciting receiver cores in the league. The only weakness, Devin, we've talked about this, that they had from last season was the offensive line, which they addressed in a big way. So you're probably wondering, why on earth would I predict the Steelers to go into Cincinnati and beat the Bengals? Here's why. Since 2014, the Steelers are 5-2-1 in season openers. With those two losses coming, compliments of Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, and the Patriots. Don't forget, Steelers went into Buffalo last year, week one, and beat a Bills roster that was more talented, with a much better quarterback, and with a quarterback of their own, Ben Roethlisberger, who we then came to find out had difficulty throwing the ball farther than 15 yards down the field. And their last six season openers, Pittsburgh is 4-1-1, and all six of those were played away from home. I think the Bengals have a Super Bowl hangover. Mike Tomlin is going to have his team ready to play. Mitchell Trubisky, a quarterback, is my second favorite Mitch after Mitch Buchanan from Baywatch Beach, shout out. Magic Mitch is underrated, and I think he will be a plus quarterback this year. They've got skill players all over the offensive side of the football. Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Najee Harris was a stud last year. Pat Fryermuth, second-year tight end, impressed a lot of people. And then the defense, we've talked about them before as well. You got you got uh, uh, you got T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt. <laughs> you got T.J. Watt <laughs> coming off the edge. Tyson Alualu uh, broke his ankle in week two. He'll be back. Cam Hayward in the middle. We've talked about Mika Fitzpatrick, Tara Edmonds at safety. I think the Steelers go in and win that game outright. Bull prediction one. Bull prediction two. Jimmy Garoppolo will start a game this season in the playoffs. Hmm. They're bold predictions That's bold. for a reason. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo has talent, right? He has the second highest winning percentage of any starting quarterback in the league with at least 50-plus starts. The last three years, the Niners won a Super Bowl. They were in an NFC Championship game. So we know Jimmy can lead. Now, there's nowhere for him to go right now. He's allowed to seek a trade. The only teams that we think need a quarterback right now are Seattle and Houston. Now, obviously, if he ends up with one of those two teams, then this bull prediction just looks like a stupid prediction. But I don't care. He's not going anywhere to be a backup. That's just not happening. And I don't think that it serves... Seattle or Houston, well, to sign Jimmy Garoppolo to any kind of short-term deal 
because it's not going to fix your problem at quarterback. Now, if you want to roll the dice with him and you want to give him a four-year contract, because I think that's the kind of thing he's going to be looking for with a team like this, I think he's going to end up sitting out for the part of the season, wait for an injury. Remember in 2020, Dak went down the beginning of the season. In 2021, Lamar Jackson missed games. Jameis Winston tore his ACL. Tua missed weeks three through five with broken ribs, missed week nine with a finger. New Orleans, Miami, Cleveland would all be penciled in to be playoff favorites if Jimmy Garoppolo was under center on any of those teams. There's also the possibility that he ends up staying in San Francisco. They're not going to pay that $27 million salary, but they can cut him. And then if and when things don't go well with Trey Lance, who's experiencing arm fatigue and accuracy issues, they're they're holding Trey Lance out of some practices now because his arm hurts so bad because they had to change his throwing motion that he's missing entire practices due to arm fatigue. Now, if that kind of stuff continues, San Francisco is a possibility, but the number of teams that in all likelihood could need a quarterback, and I still am hot on the Cleveland Browns yeah, needing like a quarterback for the entire for the entire season and not having to give anything up. If they just wait for the Niners to cut Jimmy and then they sign him for a team-friendly deal, he's good enough with that roster to get them into the playoffs. Our next bowl prediction. The Chicago Bears will go winless this season. The Bears won six games last year. And they got worse this offseason. They lose their two best defenders in Cleo Mack and Akeem Hicks. They hire a defensive head coach in Matt Eberflus, which is not going to help with the development of Justin Fields, nor is the worst offensive line in the league. And if that doesn't make anything bad enough for you, their projected starters at wide receiver outside of Darnell Mooney are 29-year-old Byron Pringle, who in three seasons has totaled 67 catches for 898 yards, and a 25-year-old rookie in Valus Jones Jr., a third-rounder out of Tennessee, who played six seasons of college football, four for USC and two for Tennessee. And keep in mind, they had just traded for Nikhil Harry, who is already second on the depth chart. Chicago Bears go 0-17 this season. And our last bowl prediction, Arizona head coach Cliff Kingsbury will be fired during the Cardinals' Week 13 bye. There's the boldness. I'm telling you when it's going to happen. The Cardinals are not going to be able to pressure the quarterback. Chandler Jones is gone. He's in Las Vegas. J.J. Watt has missed eight or more games of four of his last six seasons. Now, you might tell me, hey, he played 16 games last year, and you're right, he did. And in those 16 games, he totaled exactly five sacks. He's also 33 years old, so there's not any new burst coming. The Cardinals' schedule starts out home to Kansas City at the Raiders, home to the Rams, and they fly across the country to play at the Carolina Panthers, and then they're home to the Philadelphia Eagles, who a lot of people think are going to be very improved. I think if you make a deal with the devil, maybe you go 3-2 and two in those games. Maybe. I'd say closer to 2-3. and three. Mm-hmm. And then going into the Week 13 bye, they're at the Rams. They play the Niners in New Mexico City on a Monday night and then are home to the Chargers. I think they lose all three of those. I think that's going to put them at best – five and seven, and given the late season collapses that we've seen from the Cardinals over the last two years, I think ownership will have seen enough. Cliff, you're out. And I think Cliff Kingsbury will be looking for a new job coming out of the week 13 by week for the Arizona Cardinals. While we're on the topic of coaches whose seat might start to get a little hotter as the season progresses, I've got another one for you and a segment we're calling It's Getting Hot in Here. He's so hot right now. We need to talk 
about Bill Belichick. Mm. To you Patriots fans out there that are already huffing and puffing, I need you to take some deep breaths, calm yourselves, attempt to listen to me objectively. This is not going to be an anti-Bill Belichick segment. He's one of the best coaches, if not the best coach in the history of the NFL. There are six Lombardi trophies in Foxborough to prove it. But we still got to get into this. So let's talk some facts. The Patriots have not won a game in the playoffs in three years. And last year's playoff loss in the wild card round to the Buffalo Bills was brutal. It was hard to watch. It was 27-0 before a last-second field goal took him in halftime, 27-3, and was 47-10 before a late touchdown from the Patriots made it 41-17. On top of that, Bill has drafted terribly at the top of the draft. Now, does he uncover some nice players as the draft goes on? Absolutely, he does. But at the top of the draft, he has whiffed big time. Now, I know they take an offensive lineman early, considered a reach by multiple rounds, and that has worked out for the Patriots in the past. But the offensive line coach, Dante Skarniecki, he's not there anymore. No. So that is a big question mark to me. Not only are they not having success in the playoffs as of recent, Bill's not drafting well. His decisions in free agency are incredible to me. I, I don't understand. Last season, Matt Judon was their most expensive free agent, and he performed outstanding. Their next three big money free agents, Jonu Smith, $12.5 million a year. For that $12.5 million last year, you gave him 45 targets, which he turned into 28 for 294 and one. Another tight end, Hunter Henry, also 12 and a half a year. Well, for that $12.5 million, you gave him 75 targets. Now, he put up decent numbers, 50 for 603 and nine touchdowns. And then Nelson Aguilar, he of the two-year $22 million contract. And for that $11 million average, he saw 64 targets. And what did he turn that into? A bunch of drops. 37 catches, 473 yards, and three touchdowns. So your three big free agent acquisitions on the offensive side of the ball that you paid a combined $36 million for saw a combined 115 targets for 1,370 yards and 13 touchdowns. I'm convinced Nelson Aguilar doesn't have fingers. I think it's just hands that just extend up. That's why he can't catch a football. They're just nubs. Bill's made very, very poor decisions in free agency. Now, his decisions this past offseason— I guess he didn't bring in any controversial players or guys that we might wonder why you're doing that because he didn't really sign anybody. If you go take a look, it's like five people, none of whom anyone, a lot of them you haven't heard of. Why not? Where's the money being spent? Because your rookie quarterback, who we talked about last week, Devin, you and I both like, Mm -hmm. he's a $3.5 million cap hit. So where's the rest of the money? Why wouldn't you put pieces around him? Where's the rest of the money? Well, you didn't spend it on your own free agents because you let J.C. Jackson walk, Mm -hmm. who I think was the number five ranked corner amongst coaches, GMs, and players, Mm -hmm. and the ranking that we had on ESPN. You certainly didn't spend it on Ted Karras on the offensive line because he's in Cincinnati. You're not paying Shaq Mason because you traded him for a fifth-round pick, and he was one of the better guards in the league. Yeah. So Bill's just completely hammering free agency. It's brutal. Let's let's add on. There's no one capable of calling offensive plays currently on the coaching staff. Now, they haven't named an offensive coordinator, right. and I don't care. It doesn't make any difference. No. As long as people know what's going on, then you can put whatever name or title you want on it. 
The issue is there's nobody there with any experience calling plays. There's nobody there with experience on the offensive side of the ball. If Tom Brady's still in New England, then you can get away with that. Totally different story. Because yeah. Tom's going to take care of all those He's problems. He's the offensive coordinator. Sure. You've got a second-year quarterback who has pretty much no weapons offensively and whose offensive line got worse. And the plan now is to not have an established play caller in the building. Oof. These things don't make sense. These are not the moves of the best coach in the history of the NFL. I don't I don't understand. So where I think Bill Belichick and Bob Kraft's relationship is going to be as a season wears on, it's not going to get better. Usually when the head coach and his team are losing games, the owner isn't happy with things. Now I know what you Patriots fans are thinking. They won six Super Bowls. He's got a lifetime pass. Okay, relationship equity has an expiration date. It only lasts so long. And this is true of any relationship, a work relationship, a personal relationship, a friendship, right? Especially in the NFL, where wins equal dollars. It's a what have you done for me lately league. And lately, Bill's made some really, really bad decisions. Mm -hmm. Can we play the clip of Bob Kraft talking to reporters at the owners' meetings sure. in March? Absolutely. I'm a Patriot fan, big time, first. And more than anything... It, it bothers me that we haven't been able to win a playoff game in the last three years. So you hear Bob Kraft, he's responding to a question, and he doesn't sound worked up, but you've never heard Bob Kraft worked up. No. But he does, he does say, I think about not winning playoff games for three straight years a lot. Yeah. Like, that's a big deal. Now, it's not really fair to Bill because he's the one who set the expectation that it's not just playoffs, but AFC championship games, right? So Bob Kraft, his expectations are, hey, Bill, I just want you to keep doing the things that you've been doing for 20 years, okay? From 2011 to 2018, eight straight years, the Patriots were in the conference championship, and they won five of them, so five Super Bowls, and won three of those. That's what Bob Kraft is used to. That's what he wants to see, and he doesn't care how you get there. It doesn't make any difference. So Bill should get credit for building the dynasty, because he did it. They were just a regular NFL franchise before he got there and before Tom Brady stepped out onto the field. But if he's going to get credit for building that dynasty, then he also bears the responsibility for its downfall. Because there is one reason, and one reason only, that the Patriots have struggled over the last two years. And that's because there's a different person playing quarterback than Tom Brady. Tom Brady's not in New England because... Bill Belichick didn't want him in New England. He was ready to move on from him. If you'll recall, when Jimmy Garoppolo got traded to the Niners, the rumors were that Bill wanted to keep Jimmy and trade Tom because he was looking to the future. Bill Belichick effectively ran Tom Brady out of town. Now, Bill is respected in New England. Tom Brady is beloved in New England. Every Patriots fan I know as soon as Tom Brady signed that free agent contract with the Bucks, became a Buccaneers fan. Now, they didn't throw away their red, white, and blue Patriots gear. They're still Patriots fans, but they're also Bucks fans because they're Tom Brady fans. If Bill Belichick, for some reason, ever went to another franchise to coach, those New England Patriots fans, they would give him his due, Sure, yeah. right? They would say thank you, yeah, give him a but they're not going to cheer for Bill Belichick. No. Not right now. And this past season, 
when the Bucks went to Foxborough, Tom Brady got a standing ovation. Now, they kept cheering for their team, right? But that organization was Tom Brady. He was the Patriots. If the Pats' struggles continue this season for a fourth year in a row, which I think they will, we've talked about that, season win total is 8.5, and, a half, and I've, I've already put money on the under on that, the division is going to be much, much tougher. If they struggle, if they don't make the playoffs, and if they go, if Bill hangs a 7-10 and 10 season up there, Oof. there's going to be problems. There's going to be some changes coming in New England. Do I think Bob Kraft is going to fire Bill Belichick? That's not mm-hmm. what I'm saying. I don't think Bill Belichick is a better or worse coach right now than he was 10 years ago. Sure. But his inability to make sound, intelligent football decisions has negatively impacted this franchise in a way that it's it can't recover from until they find the quarterback and until they put the pieces around the quarterback, including an offensive play caller, to get them back to success in the playoffs. There's a couple different pieces of this that are really concerning to me. One, you brought up the fact that there is this idea of them not putting pieces around, you know, Mac Jones to be able to do what he needs to do in order to win games. Nothing around Mac Jones. And then we're talking about Bill Belichick. So if there's no cap space, you have to go ahead and start thinking about how much are we paying coaches? And we all know who's at the top of the coach's salary list. That'd be Bill. $12.5 million a year. He is the highest paid coach in the NFL. Part, so when we ask where that cap space is, it's in Bill's pocket. Part of that is because he is also in charge of personnel decisions. Sure. So he's effectively doing two jobs, right? Well, ineffectively doing two jobs. Right. <laughs> he, is, he is the general manager, so to speak, right? and the coach. Mm-hmm. And that is the problem. Mm-hmm. If Bill had stuck to coaching, if Bob, Bob Kraft had told Bill Belichick— you're my football coach. Yeah. You're not my personnel decision maker. Yeah. You're not my general manager. Mm-hmm. We're going to hire someone to do that because I don't know about Bob very much about Bob Kraft's no. business ventures, but I feel confident that he hires really smart people to head up different divisions of his various companies, and then he trusts them to do their job. He stopped doing that with his football team. He hired Bill Belichick to coach the team and Bill did a fantastic job. He also hired Bill at some point here to be the head of player personnel, mm-hmm. and that's where everything went to went downhill. It's, yeah. just, it's been a disaster. They've made a couple moves, right? And mostly through vacated positions from Josh McDaniels and then Dave Ziegler as well, right? You look at that, and the guy that takes that spot for the director of player personnel or whatever the hell they call that position, mm-hmm. right, is Matt Grubb. Yeah. Who? Another Bill Belichick. Guy. Yeah. A lot a lot of yes men. Yeah. He's got a lot of a lot of yes men. Ugh. That's gonna do it for us. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and share the episode. Remember if you leave us a five star rating and ask a question in your review, we'll answer it on the pod. I'd like to thank Dirty Devin and the boys for their help today. And we'll close with some words from everybody's favorite coach, Eric Taylor. You listen to people that love you, and you listen to people that you trust. Most of all, you listen to yourself, unless you're Bill Belichick. Don't listen to anything that you think you should do personnel-wise. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in.